The scripture reading this morning will be from Acts chapter 2, 21 through 24. That'll be on page 966 uh, in the Pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to God, uh, to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Good morning. It is good to see each one of you. If you're a guest, again, welcome. We're glad that you're here. You encourage us by being here. We hope that we can be an encouragement to you. Merry Christmas to everybody. What an exciting time of the year when families get together. And, you know, earlier on in the year when I looked and noticed, I said, wow, Christmas Day is going to be on Sunday. And, and how appropriate for the most special family on earth to come together at a time when families traditionally come together. I've looked forward to today. Uh, what a blessing it is to be a part of God's family. Now, I also know that many of us are very busy today. I've already had a message from one of our teenagers. Hey, if you can make it shorter, I've got a lot of places to be today. <laughs> Right behind that was a message from a man that said, well, if you will make it longer, I'm on my way to my mother-in-law's. <laughs> I think about Granny that, that she was 90 years old and she just decided buying gifts for everybody was just too much. And so, so she thought for the first time, I'm just, I'm just going to enclose uh, a check in, in a card and, and let people, you know, buy their own gift. And so she thought that, that worked really, really well. She addressed them, stamped them. She, she sent them all off. And it just seemed to be a perfect plan until a week after Christmas, she's cleaning out her drawer of her desk and she found the stack of checks. And then she thought about how she'd signed every card. Every one of them, all she put in the card was, buy your own gift, granny. <laughs> we got a gift for you this morning and we're not gonna do it like granny, we're really gonna give it to you. Uh, on the end of each pew, you'll see a stack of books entitled One Word. And uh, if you are a reader, and you want to, to participate in a daily, Monday through Friday, daily devotion, uh, this is a gift to you. And we hope that, that uh, you will study God's word every day. And, and we hope that this is a blessing to encourage you to do that. You know, one of the great responsibilities that the leaders of the Lord's church has is to lead individuals in a study of God's word. And if you've been at Mount Juliet very long, you know that the elders every year encourage us as a congregation to study the scriptures daily. And this is one simple effort. We know that many of you will have other studies on a daily basis that you will do and that you want to be a part of and you know that that's encouraged. But this will be one way where as a church family, we will study a word from the word of God and then as a church family individually, but yet collectively because we're all doing it, uh, we'll be reading on our own 
devotionals that you'll notice at the top of each devotional, it has a text. Some of those are just a few verses. Some are several verses, but you'll have the opportunity each day to begin your devotional by reading a text out of God's holy word and then reading a devotional that will expound upon that. And uh, we hope that it's a blessing to you. I also know that just from things like this, uh, what usually comes up very quickly is the question of, hey, I'd like to give one of these to fill in the blank. If you want to purchase extra of these, no one is making a profit off these, but just for the expediency of trying to handle things today, there are extra copies at Information Center with a box that says $3. And, and so if you want to cover the cost of the book to buy extras for somebody that's not a member or a guest here at Mount Juliet, uh, feel free to do that. Uh, extra copies are available, and uh, we hope that's a blessing uh, for them too. We will begin... Next Sunday, New Year's Day, uh, studying the first word of 53 words. Next year has 53 Sundays. And so we look forward to that time together in God's word. One more on the lighter side, but leading us into our study today. I think about the little boy. Uh, my dad was telling me about this earlier in the week. I think about the little boy who uh, was really excited to have a new toothbrush. And so he just kept playing with it. And when his mother passed by the restroom, she noticed that he was swirling it in the toilet. And so she immediately went over and gave correction and instruction and just told him you couldn't do that. And any toothbrush that's been in the toilet has to be thrown away. He immediately reaches over and grabs hers and throws it away. <laughs> and she says, and why are you doing that? He says, I played with yours last week. <laughs> Not everything goes as planned. But isn't it marvelous that the most marvelous plan that has ever been thought, devised, carried out, offered to is the plan of redemption where God is literally saying I love you and I want to spend an eternity with you. Now, indirectly in this plan is the message of, I won't force you. If you don't love me, you don't have to have anything to do with me. And we can be separated now, and we can be separated for an eternity. But the message is still strong. I love you, and I want to be with you for an eternity. And then the choice is ours. Do we love him? And do we want to spend an eternity with him? We have been looking at the word marvel all year long. I don't know of a annual theme that I have enjoyed any more all throughout the year. You know, sometimes with annual themes, they're exciting at first, or there's parts of them that are exciting, and, and then sometime it just kind of gets old. And I know for you as a listener, it could be different. I'm talking about for me as one studying this and preparing for it, I can't think of any theme that has helped me more in my study and preparation 
to study God's word with you. The word marvel is amazing. Now, even though we have looked at this for 52 weeks, give or take a few Sundays here or there, one thing that probably came to some of your minds the very first Sunday, and we've never mentioned it once, it wasn't really the reason we focused on this theme. But let's at least mention it by illustration this morning as we begin. In 1938, Martin Goodman produced his very first comic strip. And he decided to name it Marvel Comics. And out of this and through the years, there would be so many superheroes that many of you know and love, like Spider-Man or Hulk or Thor or Iron Man or Captain Marvel or Captain America, just to name a few. But have you ever thought, where did he come up with this name, Marvel? I did a little research. Maybe I should have done more extensive research. But what was interesting was I never found anything that really related his thought process. And maybe the reason that that's not recorded or maybe the reason at least I couldn't find it is because it's kind of common sense. You see, the word marvel, as we've been talking about all year long, is about something that is distinct and set apart, especially in power. When something can be done that is not ordinary, you either call it marvelous or you sit back and watch it and you marvel. And so when a fictitious character can leap to the side of, of a building, a vertical surface, and climb it, you marvel because you say, that's, that's not ordinary. That's a power that is beyond or when, when Hulk can, can grow so strong that his legs are so strong in one bound, he can leap a hundred miles. That's superhuman. Or when Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, can, can release bursts of energy out of her fist that would concuss a linebacker with a helmet on, that's a marvel. And so I don't know exactly where he came up with this name, except if you could pick one word to describe the idea of superheroes, he picked a really good word, marvel, a power that is out of the ordinary. The text that's just been read for you was a portion of the first sermon that was preached on the day the church was established. And what is amazing in this sermon is that this sermon is, is all about them building this great life, but it's not a great physical life, is not the goal, although there's great physical blessings out of it. But, but the concentration in Acts 2 is building this spiritual life. And what's interesting about this sermon in Acts 2 is that very little of the sermon is about what Jesus said. And almost everything in the sermon was about who he was 
and what he did. Now, I've said to you earlier this year, this has really caused me to evaluate my teaching and my preaching. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to sound humble. I'm just letting you know my thoughts. I, I have so far to go to get it the way God wants it to be done. But I've learned a lot this year about the fact that I need to spend more time talking about who God is. Not just, hey, this is what God said to do. And we can't omit that part. It's so important. Who wouldn't want to hear what God has said to them? But if we spend 100% of our time talking about what God has said to us, then we omit a very important part. And that is, why should I listen to this God? If I don't know who he is, and I don't know his marvelous power, why would I listen to him? And it's amazing that the sermon in Acts 2 is pretty much all about this plea that says, let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me tell you the powers, the wonders, the signs that he could do. And that's what caused the people then to say, what shall we do? And it was only then in that sermon that they were told what Jesus said. It's pretty amazing. And so this morning we'll study the first point in this sermon. Tonight we'll quickly look at the last two, maybe three points of this sermon. And hopefully the close of this year and closing out a marvelous theme, we will close it on a marvelous plan that is God's plan to redeem us so that we could live with him for an eternity. So today, we'll look at the marvelous man, the incarnation. We'll look at, that's verse 22, by the way. If you have your Bibles open, I hope you have your Bibles open in Acts 2. We're gonna be looking at Acts 2. In 23, we'll see the marvelous plan. We'll see the cross. 24, we'll see the marvelous life, the resurrection. Later on in that chapter, we'll skip down and we'll look at the marvelous rain and we'll see his ascension to the right-hand side of the Father. And then as they cry out, what shall we do? We'll see that this marvelous plan was really all about helping us to bring the marvelous gift of salvation to all of us. So let's look at verse 22. This has already been capably read and, and let's read it one more time. Notice in 21 is the end. If, if your Bible's laid out probably in paragraphs, and you'll notice also that 21 is the end of a long quotation out of Joel 2. And in Joel 2, verse 32 is verse 21 here in Acts 2. And so this quote ends by saying, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, they didn't know, or at least they were confused or didn't believe who was the Lord that they should call out to in order to be saved. And so notice the answer in 22, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested, some translations would say accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know. 
Notice at the end of that long prophecy from Joel, which is very important. We're not skipping it this morning because it's not important. This was prophecy letting them know that this miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, letting them know that, hey, this was prophesied. And not only was it prophesied, it was also in connection with knowing that this would be the beginning, the establishment of the church. And so if you want to be saved, if you want to become a part of his church, you have to call on the name of the Lord. Since you guys seem to be confused, he closes that quote by making it very personal to his audience. Notice again in 22 when he says, men of Israel, hear these words. It would be like me today giving some kind of long quote and then trying to make application to us today. At the end of that quote, I would say, church of Mount Juliet, listen to these words. And so he's getting their attention. Men of Israel, these are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Jews have gathered here on Pentecost. Men of Israel, hear these words. And then he goes to the immediate point of contention. Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't slip quietly in the back door and say, let me try to convince you how great Jesus is and, and then kind of drop his identity on you. So let's just begin with it. You guys have always had a beef with the Messiah being from Nazareth. You guys have never liked that the Messiah came from a little no-name family, Mary and Joseph. Not from the great place of Judea. Not from the great town of Jerusalem. Not from some highly prestigious family of the Jewish nation. That's right. I want to tell you how you need to be saved. And men of Israel, Jesus of Nazareth is the man attested to you. You remember about Nazareth? You remember when Philip ran to Nathaniel and told him, that they had found the man that the law of Moses and the prophets had spoken of, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. And, and, and then said, Nathaniel's response to that was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip had already figured that one out. And he said, come and see. Do you remember in Luke 1 when the angel goes to Mary tell Mary that she's going to miraculously conceive and give birth to the Son of God. And do you remember how that first verse of that paragraph begins? It's telling that that angel Gabriel went to the city of Nazareth. You see, what was so offensive to so many of the Jews, God, in essence, hammered it home over and over. You know who I'm talking about. You haven't liked it. You've discarded it. But the question for those Jews then is, what are you going to do with it? Because it's Jesus of Nazareth. Notice a man, as we go to the next slide, we kind of got some different things highlighted. A man attested by God to you, any of you that work uh, in the field of education, you know how important accreditation is. Uh, you know, I, I, I work with the board of Heritage Christian University and hardly a board meeting goes by that we do not discuss 
what is prevalent at that particular time for our accreditation. Accreditation, the word attested or accredited, means that you display, you exhibit, you show something to prove something. And so institutions of education, they constantly have to exhibit to accrediting agencies, they have to constantly display, look, we are meeting the criteria in order to remain or to become accredited. Do you see what he is saying here? He's saying this Jesus of Nazareth, he is a man accredited by God. God has shown him to you, but notice he's accredited by God to you. Now, what's going to be the way? What's going to be the way that God showed man that Jesus truly is the Messiah. And he uses three synonyms that all three come at this one thing from a slightly different angle to drive home the point. He says miracles, wonders, and signs. And that's probably in almost every translation that you're reading out of this morning, that's pretty consistent. Miracles, wonders, and signs. The word miracles points to something powerful being done. The word wander comes at the very same thing from the angle of how does it leave you? Wow, that is amazing. Did you see that miracle? It left me in wonder. The third one, a sign. Still referring to that same miracle, but the fact is, Jesus didn't come to this earth to do miracles just so he could, could be some kind of three-ring circus. All of these miracles and these wonders were to point people to God. That's why in the Gospel of John, he tells us that that gospel exists so that man would believe that Jesus Christ is son of God and believing would have life. And so what he did was he gave seven miracles, but he constantly calls them signs. Those miracles are to point us back to God. Now notice he did these miracles, but where did he do them? Which God did through him in your midst. Do you realize literally from the time Jesus was born as a baby, his entrance was miraculous. It left people in wonder and amazement and it pointed people to God. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke the second chapter and we're gonna close this morning study and we'll come back tonight and just continue in Acts 2. But... I want you to read with me in Luke, the second chapter, a very, very beautiful passage about Christ coming into this earth. And I want you, as we read this, to not only appreciate Jesus coming to this earth and his birth, but I want you to read this with the fact in mind that everything recorded here, in essence, Peter 33 years later was standing and preaching the first sermon on the day that the church was established. And he literally is going back and referencing 
times like this when he says, God accredited him. You ought to believe it. And in essence, at that point, he could have said, don't you remember his birth? Or he could have said, don't you remember his ministry? Don't you remember all the miracles? And, and let's read this together. We're in Luke, the second chapter. We're going to begin reading in verse eight. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. That's kind of what shepherds did, right? They're just doing what shepherds do. But notice verse nine, and behold. In other words, take notice of this. An angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. See, this was something marvelous here. This was something set apart in power that they probably had never experienced. Verse 10, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. And by the way, that Greek word right there for good tidings is the word that throughout Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, the rest of the New Testament, you know what that word is? Preached, proclaimed the gospel. He, the angels are literally saying, we bring to you good news, good tidings to proclaim or to herald, and it's of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, oh, let's go back to tending the sheep. Now something marvelous had happened. Something that was too good to leave alone. They had to follow up on this. And so they looked to one another and they said, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it, what? Marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in their heart. Isn't that amazing what Mary had to think about throughout that time? Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Can you imagine the shepherds throughout their life? Can you imagine them sitting down with other shepherds in the future and saying, you won't believe the night we had. Let me tell you about when angel came and spoke. Let me tell you what it's like to hear a host of angels sing praise to God. Let me tell you what it was like to listen to that sign and say, you know what, let's go and see. And we found that baby lying in a manger. Let me tell you, this is the one that's going to bring good news to all people. He's the one that's going to bring peace to the earth. 
He's the Savior. He's God in flesh. Peter standing and saying, Israel, you had sign after sign after sign. Can you imagine being a blind man and seeing? And the people knowing? And accusing Jesus of being a sinner? And the blind man, the answer was, I don't know who he is. I don't know if he's a sinner. I know this, I was blind, and now I see. Or imagine looking out in a storm and seeing Jesus walking on water. Or imagine being a paralytic that four friends bring you, but yet once you're touched by the power of Jesus, you stand on your own feet for the first time. Imagine a crowd of 5,000 being hungry and a little boy's lunch fills everybody's stomach. When we close with Acts 2 and 22, I ask you to just think what was Peter saying as we read this again. Not just men of Israel, but Church of Mount Juliet. Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested by God to us by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in the midst of humans. We have it recorded in scripture and we ought to know this. And what is all of this? This is a part of God's eternal plan. The greatest gift that has ever been offered to us. Today, some of you, hopefully not all of you, some of you are going to open Aunt Myrtle's present and you're just going to have to say something like, interesting. <laughs> or you, you might open your uncle's present and you just have to say, you shouldn't have, and you really mean it. <laughs> you and I have never been offered a gift like this. God's eternal plan. I want to redeem you because I want to spend an eternity with you. I hope this morning that there's not one of us here that's passed up that gift, refused to accept it and receive it. But if there is someone here that this morning you're not going to pass it up any longer and you're ready to be immersed into Christ for the remission of sins. We'll make reference to that out of Acts 2 quickly tonight. Maybe there's someone that's become a Christian, you lost your way and you want to come back today. You want to serve the Lord that you really believe is the Christ. You really believe He's the Messiah. Today, Let's close out the last 